Here we are. Six years ago, I was a freshly graduated student in Paris with a big dream in his pocket. Changing the world, making tangible things. Fast forward until now, at the doors of my 30s, and I'm one of the youngest senior product managers in a multinational company like Philips U. Simply put, my role is a mix of emotions, ambiguity, frustrations, and excitement. And these can alternate in different moments. This podcast is very simple. Every Monday morning, 7 a.m., I will share new episodes going through what there is behind my job, my deepest thoughts, and anything else that is going on my mind. Here are a few rules. I'm going to bring maximum three points per episode, and this can come directly from my personal agenda, the one that comes with me in everyday life, or from something that I observe definitely around me. Second rule, everything is not scripted, so I will just carry on with my line of thoughts. So be patient, apologies in advance if I misspell something, I'm Italian, and I'm doing this, of course, in my favorite language, that is English. This is Life of a Product Manager. I'm Luigi Liguori, and if you're right until here, thank you. We definitely brought the eyes, and that's great. So let's get started. The first point on my agenda, it's, I think, one of the questions, or two questions that basically everyone asks me when I'm out for conferences, or I meet students at universities, or, you know, young talents in the company. What is being a product manager, and how do you get there somehow? Let me start with the second question. Um, I don't think there is a straight path to become a product manager. It is very um, interesting how different companies approach the role of a product manager. Um, you can think about, you know, mo most of them, most of them, they basically look for a straight path. Uh, you know, you move from junior to manager, senior, and so far and so on. So most probably the best way to get into a junior position is going there through an internship. However, what I observed is the fact also that sometimes people become product managers after doing many different roles. When I started, I was the product manager for the Philips Hue point of sale app. At the same time, I was a person in charge of our trainings. At the same time, I was a person in charge of organizing events in our business units and all those things you know feel like okay how you can be a product manager a sort of event manager and a training manager all together uh, it's it's real it was actually quite a quite a difficult job that became even more complicated but it was it was a starting point um you see now that for me there was a beginning and how i start to get closer to product management and how i start to like that and that's what basically I've been keep doing since that time. It was 2018 when, um, when all those nice things start to come together in a more substantial way. Um, but you see now that in many companies, sometimes, you know, people that were doing uh, jobs like um, digital marketing or uh, brand and communication, somehow they end up in being a product manager. So to the people who are listening, I think that the best way is figuring out what you are really good at and see if that can be turned into a skill for a product manager. 
And it's not a straight thoughts, it's not a straight line, as I said before. It may be in some companies, it may be in others. May not be in others, sorry. Um, I think that behind being a product manager, there are different things. And I, as I said before, my role is a roller coaster of emotions, frustrations, excitement, and like a good roller coaster, you know, the happy downhill can change very fast. I think that the, the, the nice part is the fact that you are crafting something that other people will use. I see product managers as somehow the, um, maybe is it too much, but a sort of Leonardo da Vinci kind of approach, you know, where we are in our mind, of course, then we have our teams, our developers, all the wonderful people that support us in our job that make us being what we are. Um, you know, but, but we, we are a little bit like that. So I think we, we, we have the, the possibility to plan, to sketch how something could be. And that's very exciting because let's be honest, if today I'm maybe here and enjoying uh, watching my television um, and because it has great uh, colors, great, uh, great things, it, it's quite rewarding. And I think that if I, if I, if now the problem manager of this specific television brand is, is listening, probably it will feel like proud to say, hey, this guy really likes my product. So it's, it's, it's a great, definitely it's a, it's a great feeling. It's also a kind of um, role where you need to be very curious. I like to say that I think curiosity in a product management world, it's what keeps this job alive. In the moment you are not curious anymore, you should change definitely the job. You cannot be a product manager. A product manager is curious by nature. I always say that when people, you know, show me a new product, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people feel like, oh wow, that's cool, that's nice. Uh, they say, oh yeah, look at this, the color is amazing. Look at the material. My first question is, okay, how does it work? What there is behind that? And that's I think one of the key key things: being curious. So on one side you have this uh, crafting, uh, let's say, uh, emotions. On the other side needs to be the curiosity, but also. There are two other things that I think people need to really be aware of when they are, uh, uh, you know, trying to be a product manager because these are the skills that we need to have when we are then in a business. Um, and the two things are basically somehow being able to deal with ambiguity. I think that is something that you need to master in this role. Because um, it doesn't matter if you are into a multinational company, if you're into a small medium enterprise, if you're into a startup, it doesn't matter. The environment may change very fast and maybe what is valid today is not valid tomorrow anymore. So I think that the program manager can, should actually somehow being able to deal with that and don't be depressed, don't be... Um, overexcited, but trying to, to be very rational and try to, you know, steer the boat where, you know, the, the, the wind is blowing the best direction, let's say. Um, that's the first thing. And then the other important thing in this five, in this pentagon, I think it's also another important quality that is bringing people together. Um, every great leader is able to inspire people. I think that a good product manager should be able to inspire others to do more, to build something better, and to keep going. 
specifically on the keep going because when you are in a situation where most probably things in a company don't go always well you may want to being able you know you you are evaluating not on how good you are when things are going well but how good you are when things are not going as you were expecting so if you're able to motivate people in that in that way in that in, in that moment i think is a great thing and that's a little bit what I think there. So not a straight path on how you get become a product manager. You can see people in my in my team that have different backgrounds. It's amazing. And also this Pentagon made between the dealing with ambiguity, inspired people, being a, being a sort of craftsman, this Leonardo da Vinci kind of things, um, curiosity. And last but not the least, of course, uh, patience. That's also that's also key. The second point of my agenda, it's about this epic dilemma between hybrid, remote, in-person work. I was having a coffee last week and this topic came heavily to, um, to my mind. Um, and also some colleagues uh, want, to, want to hear what I was thinking, so I said, okay, I'll tell you what I, what I, what I think. Um, I do think that after COVID, we critically looked at the way we are now working. It's amazing how COVID showed us that it doesn't matter where we are, we are able to carry on our job. But there is one context that is important, that is the sense of belonging. And that one for me, it's something you can only generate when you are in a company. Let's make this example. Um, everyone, everyone, I think, watched movies around working in Silicon Valley and how cool it can be in being campus like Google, Facebook, Apple. I think that the effort this company are, are, are paying in making a great working space is not only because they want, of course, attract the best talent. Let's be honest, Google can definitely do that. Even having a boring office, they can definitely because it's Google. They have all the means to attract people. But they do it because they want to create a nice environment to work where people can strengthen their sense of belonging to that company and to a specific team. That's why for me, in-person work, it's important. Because when you are there, you start to build what I call in my case, my little family made of peers, made of people in my team, made of... Um, people in other functions that support me. That is, I think, the key in this sense. And we need to be very careful to do not completely reduce that part, because then the risk that we have is that if there is not a sense of belonging, if you don't think you are working for a cool product and with cool people, you may definitely risk to just work for money. And when you work for money, unless you are not in need of money, but these are personal reasons I don't want to judge. I think that then it's, 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 it's over. I always say work for something that is cool. And that's what basically being in office helps, working for something cool. I have to say, I'm very lucky where I work because my CTO, it's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met in my life. And every time I feel a little bit down, every time I go through that roller coaster emotion, we said before, 
I think that it's amazing to have a chat with him and he really is able to, you know, despite everything maybe not as it should be, he's able to tell you, hey, but this is amazingly good. There's always a good reason to look forward. I can tell you, not being in the office, I would miss that part. And I can tell you that most of the people need that, you know, light at the end of the tunnel to pass that roller coaster emotion sometimes, also myself. So that's why I think being in the office is important. However, I think also being in the office too much may be also a problem. Because, you know, on the other side, specifically if you're aiming for attract the best talent, sometimes you have people that are very good in what they do, but they may live for some reason very far from where you are located. So the word hybrid, I think it's the key at the moment. Being able to define when you are in the office, two days, and then the other three days maybe doing something else and being at home, being, um, you know, a digital nomad uh, or working from some, somewhere else. There are a lot of benefits on that. And I can tell you there are also a lot of benefits in, in being at home. Eh? I, I, didn't, I didn't mention that. I think that being at home or being working outside the office is a great way to focus, but can also be a great way to get new ideas. And I have to say there are many companies um, that are really looking at how to somehow transform this working from home into a sort of social welfare that the company will give. For instance, the possibility of being, you know, in a lovely resort in Italy, in a vineyard in Italy, while, you know, maybe you do your two days remote working. It's a great idea and I have to say I'm very lucky that one of my former intern, Matteo, that probably now is He's probably laughing, listening to me now. He's definitely doing that. And I can tell you, if you want to hear more, look for Smace, S-M-A-C-E, and have fun because it's a great it's a great thing. So in the end, hybrid may be the, the future and there are a lot of benefits. The third point of my agenda in this first chapter or episode, it's the right of disconnect. It's an interesting moment in the Netherlands uh, where I'm based um, because May it's the moment where we have tons of public holidays coming. Surprisingly enough, in the Netherlands after May, the next public holidays is Christmas Day. So it, it's definitely not balanced. I would have spread them across multiple months just to get, you know, some extra public holidays here and there, but it's fine. Everything happens in May. It's so crazy that you arrive to work probably almost part-time, three weeks out of four. But um, this also triggered me and um, some, of my, some of my colleagues to, to think about this right to disconnect or right of disconnect. I don't know which is the right, the right way of saying it in English, but you have probably understood what I mean. So it's basically the fact that when I'm off, I'm off. I don't need to think about work. I should not be reached out to talk about work unless it's not life of that situation. That's at the least is my approach. But there are people that also simply don't care. Also, if you like that situation, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not important. I think that thing, it's, it's quite a key 
um, element in the, in, in the life of a product manager, in the sense that a lot of people are obviously very accountable and very proud of what they're doing in their job. The problem is, this is a great thing, but it can bring to a disbalance in your life. We need to disconnect. We need to be able to say to our inner voice, our inner eager voice, to say, hey, you have to now stop. You have now to disconnect. You have to now recharge yourself. And it's key because if you don't do that, it sounds rhetorical, but yeah, you can definitely run into problems. And it's important that everyone understands that. It can be your manager, it can be your uh, colleagues, the functions around you. It's, it's key being able to disconnect. And with disconnect, I mean the possibility of simply not thinking about work. It's an important thing. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that, for instance, in certain countries, the right to disconnect is part of law. In France, for instance, you are by law protected in case, you know, someone is disturbing you during the weekends or during, a, during your time off or public holidays, whatever. I think it's a great thing and I think we should reflect on that, on how much we care about our job, how much we care about our personal life and how these two things need to be in balance. I may say something more about this in the next uh, next episodes on being in balance with your life. Because in the end, it is true that we are part of our, you know, we are, we are what we work for, but it's also true that we are human beings and we need to be able to be great human beings and also great workers. But when these two things are together and they overlap, it may be dangerous. You, you need to be able to divide them and to wear those different hats when it's the moment. Um, and I think that's one of the, of the things that uh, makes uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of difference in, uh, in, in what we are doing in, uh, in, every, in every kind of, uh, of jobs. So I would say that's it. That's the ending. Um, and maybe we've been a little bit short. I don't know. I don't know which is the right size. I, I, I just think that when I finish things to say, I, I just should stop. And yeah, I don't, I don't think there should be always the same length. Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less. Um, I would just to say thank you. If you're right until here, thank you for giving some of your time. And well, if you like it, as I say it every time, share with your best friend or your colleagues, ping me on LinkedIn, um, share your love there. If you didn't like it, share it with your best enemy. It's a nice revenge. See you next Monday, 7 a.m. sharp. Ciao. Yeah.